0: Welcome to another episode of Neo Kobe Pizza, the only gaming podcast that floats in soup. My name is Mark B., and joining me today is our first-time returning guest, Mr. Aaron Sorois. How are you doing today, sir?
1: Uh, Tired from work, but
0: awake. Glad to hear it. So, (laughs) I hadn't actually been planning to do a repeat guest for a little while yet, just because I had some original guests lined up, and I wanted to try and pad that out. And then fucking Nintendo announced the goddamn NX as an actual thing, which is now called the Nintendo Switch, and I wanted to get something out there to discuss my opinions on it, and the opinions of somebody who might feel differently about the device from me. Uh, So, I reached out and said, is there anybody who is enthusiastic about the device? And you answered the call.
1: It's different. And... It's different in a way that doesn't make me want to throw up, like the Wii U, so...
0: That's fair. (laughs) So, the main reason I wanted to get this done as quickly as possible is because the NX is news, and it's good to have that conversation now during that initial launch period, where there's interest, where there's a lot of ideas and concepts thrown around so that we can kind of discuss that you know, get some discussion going about what we think of it, talk about what has definitively been announced, and some of the more interesting rumors and speculations that have come up to see how we feel about the device. So, let's start from the beginning. The advertisement, the big trailer that they used to announce it. Now, I've seen that, and I'm imagining that you've seen that.
1: I have, but the music was changed with uh, the Will Smith song for my amusement, so...
0: That's fair. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like the, the theme music specifically contributes anything one way or the other, because there was no like talking at any point during that process. It was all sight. It was all visual. Everything that they showed you there is what you would have gotten from it, no matter if the sound was on or off. From the ad itself, we can infer that the device is modular, so you can change it from a console to a handheld just by taking the two controller nubbies, which have a D-pad and an analog stick on one, and a D-pad, I'm sorry, and a face buttons and an analog stick on the other, slipping them off of the controller mount and putting them onto the tablet. This allows you to pop the device out of its little base, carry it around with you as if it were a portable, and then when you're done, put it back into the base and play it on your television. The actual console, the actual Switch itself looks like some type of a tablet that sits in a dock, and by all indications Nintendo is kind of sort of pitching this as a fairly modular handheld unit, showcasing instances where players are playing it as if it is an actual handheld device, setting it up in portrait mode so that they can use the individual nubbies while the, it sits in front of them like a miniature television stand, using individual nubbies so that multiple people can play off of one modular device, etc. The device also is being supported chipset-wise by NVIDIA, who has indicated that they are using one of their Tegra chipsets. Uh, This chipset is being utilized in various other mobile devices out there in the world right now, including the Google Nexus 9 uh, and Chromebooks that have been developed by Hewlett-Packard and Acer, as well as, and this is perhaps the most important, The NVIDIA Shield, which is basically a Steam box, but made by NVIDIA. So it allows you to play PC games on your television, as well as do other streaming services, more or less like it's a Roku. We don't really know anything else about the device beyond that, definitively. So what follows here is going to be a lot of speculation. Have you seen anything about it that you want to weigh in with?
1: I think, yeah... We, you were talking about how it's kind of like the PSTV and the Vita itself combined, and I thought that was an interesting comparison. And what's interesting about that for me is the Vita was like a dead-on-arrival system, and they tried to save it with the PSTV, whereas this is like a, a whole new concept in and of itself, which might give them a chance at success here.
0: From an outside perspective, I can definitely see that as being potentially an interesting idea and i mean just looking into the rumors on it it kind of goes all over the place from a from a tech perspective i've seen a couple of things that are suggesting that this is probably going to be based off of the upcoming tegra x2 chipset that nvidia uses which it's entirely possible that it's its own it's a different proprietary sort of thing that's unique to the nx or that it might be based off of uh, a completely different setup such as the NVIDIA Xavier, in which case, fuck everything I'm about to say. But, if it's based off of the upcoming Tegra X2, it's basically going to be utilizing a system that's a combined dual-core and quad-core architecture. It's kind of complicated to explain how that works without getting really involved, but basically, they use something that's called a a big-little configuration, where the big is small and the little is in all caps, which, which basically allows for dynamic computing. So it's not necessarily going to be a raging powerhouse, but it's meant to work with dynamic application switching, things of that nature, while conserving power, which if you're going to have a portable device is the smartest possible way of doing it. That said, the Tegra X2 is listing presently, and this is from Wikipedia, so take that with as much grains of salt as you deem appropriate, as featuring a processing power at a level somewhere between 750 to 1,500 gigaflops. For reference purposes, the PS4 performs at 1.84 teraflops, which is a much, much, much larger number, comparatively speaking. Mm -hmm. Um, The device is also going to be running off of a GeForce GPU, because of course it is, it's an NVIDIA device. Uh, And it's utilizing its own unique API dubbed the NVN, which is how your apps talk to the internal components. So it's not going to be working off of something that developers are necessarily familiar with programming in. This may be a whole new experience. It may be easier. It may be harder for them to program in. We don't really know. But it's definitely going to be different from what they're used to, which, again, still means... That we're developing stuff three, four, five different ways and having to utilize different tech each way. Perhaps the most interesting thing is Laura Kate Dale, uh, aka Laura K Buzz on Twitter, has been reporting a lot of rumors and information that she's gotten on the Switch. And while she's ultimately going to put stuff up uh, to talk about it on let'splayvideogames.com, probably Friday, a lot of what she's been talking about if it's true, is probably going to have an impact on a lot of people's opinions once it becomes public knowledge. Uh, This is including information such as that the tablet is touchscreen, but it's not going to be core to gameplay, because games are going to be required to support both dock and portable play, and not specifically one or the other exclusively. Dock Play will provide additional processing power of some type or another, which is probably not going to be integral to the experience, but will likely mean that games perform a little bit better when you're playing them on the TV. There's also the rumor that Nintendo dev is moving towards a more unified development platform, and that the theory behind this means that if the Switch does really well, they may can the 3DS development side of things, that the device will be completely region-free and that the battery life is so far being stated as mediocre, by all indications. Again, this is all speculation. We don't know if any of this is true. We don't know if all of this is true. But this is just what people with their ear to the ground are getting at this point. So it's it's interesting to note, if nothing else. Finally, from the ad itself, it's worth noting that Nintendo showcased footage of a Mario title, the upcoming Zelda, um, Splatoon, as well as what appeared to be an NBA 2K17 title, and a Skyrim title.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it it was uh, just Skyrim itself.
0: Yeah, which is interesting because when contacted about those games, 2K and Bethesda both said that they're not releasing an NBA game or Skyrim on the device. Huh. They indicated that they were happy to have worked with Nintendo on the demonstration trailer, but they don't have those games lined up for it at this point postulation is that maybe they're kind of waiting on Nintendo before announcing anything, but Ubisoft also announced a Just Dance title already for the device. So it could just be that the message is kind of scrambled, it could be that that was just utilized as a demonstration, and neither of those games are coming out for the device. Who knows?
1: So it could be uh, a Final Fantasy 7 this is what it could look like on PS3 type thing.
0: Yes. Absolutely.
1: Which would drive some people nuts, but it's Skyrim... It's out for like three different systems, four different systems. I don't know, five now, five different systems. Yeah. So I don't think people are going to lose too much sleep if that's not on there.
0: Sure, but it's also worth noting that Nintendo has announced a shitload of publishers. Uh, everyone, including From Software, Activision, Atlas, Bandai Namco, Bethesda, Konami. Like, what are they going to do? Another PES? Really? Whatever. Sega, Platinum Games, Square <laughs> Enix. Fly- uh, uh, fuck Konami. Just hashtag fuck Konami. <laughs> Spike Chunsoft, and a lot of other people, including Japanese-only developers like Hamster, which I had to spend a good 10 minutes Googling to figure out that they don't make games in the US, just indicating that they have a shitload of developer support, which is good. But a lot of people are immediately on board with the idea of, oh, we're going to get Skyrim on this device, oh, we're going to get Dark Souls on this device, and I mean... Again, Bethesda's already said, well, we don't actually have a Skyrim title in development, and From Software has already said, yeah, we're done with Dark Souls. We don't even have an indication that they would port the game to this device, and it's more likely that From is probably going to develop something completely different since they've they've moved on from the Souls series. And if they do port it, I mean... I understand that there's a small appeal with the idea of bringing Dark Souls portable, but... Really? I cannot even begin to imagine the benefit of playing a game like that in small one-hour increments while I'm on the go somewhere. But whatever. There are people who are enthusiastic about this idea. More power to you. It's probably not going to be that, but whatever.
1: Well, you know, the the big key thing for anything that they're going to put on this is I don't have to pause when I want to go take a crap.
0: And sure, that's great. That's, that's absolutely a, a wonderful idea in theory.
1: Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to hear day one stories of people dropping in the toilet. I, I guarantee you.
0: Sure. All right. Let's, let's start off with the high points here. Now, as I have expressed, I am not cautiously optimistic. I'm not cautiously anything. I don't think it's a good idea. But there are definitely good points And since you are optimistic somewhat, I I feel that this is probably going to be a point where you are going to have more to say about it than I might. Uh, But the first thing I will say is that considering how badly the Wii U was handled pretty much from start to now, this is definitely a step in the right direction. The message is pretty clear and concise. Look, it's a whole new platform that works as a combination handheld device and standalone device to hook up to your TV. The message was done entirely through visual delivery, so there's no verbal cues to mess up or anything of that nature. And by the end of it, you definitely walked away with an idea of, this is a device that I can play on my TV or play as a portable, that I can set up for multiple people to play off of one screen using each of the two little controller buds, that I can play as a standard handheld, etc., etc., etc.
1: The The fact that you can do that, the fact that it has that kickstand and the controllers can pop out of the tablet and you can just, like, take it to somebody's house and not have to bring your whole stand with you, that is, like, makes it kind of like three different system in, systems in one instead of just two. I think that's a big selling point for it.
0: That you can just bring it over to somebody's house even if they don't have the device and you can just set it up and play?
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of people who who don't like handheld systems. They cramp their hands. And that thing is definitely looks bulky as hell. So it's probably going to like annoy some people. So you could t- you could use it as a portable system, carry it with you just like, you know, prop it up on, like on a desk at a hotel or something like that and just actually have the regular controller with you and still play.
0: Yeah, from a from a portability perspective, there's definitely some value there. I mean, as an example, say you're consistently like you're a road warrior, you're consistently traveling all over the place instead of having to bring a portable with you, which is going to be consistently small and compressed into the immediate space that you're playing in. You can bring that device with you, set it up in its portrait mode so it's standing up at an angle. You can watch it as if it were a small television, and you can play it, and all you need is some type of an external power connector to keep it charged up. It's not a bad idea, and it means that you don't have to carry the dock with you everywhere you go.
1: Yeah, and like one of the images they showed were like, Was it hanging off the back of a headrest so people could play it in their car, too?
0: Yeah, I definitely feel like that's an interesting option, an interesting improvement from the idea of utilizing a a car TV or some type of an actual installed visual device so that you can just have your kids play on that thing as it's hanging out on the back of the seat.
1: Especially since it uses uh, the little cartridge instead of a a disc, so you don't have to worry about anything getting scratched.
0: That is true. It's it's also worth noting that as a recovery from the Wii U, this is probably going to be beneficial, since Nintendo took a major ass-kicking in the current console generation. But not only that, the 3DS didn't really take off to the level that they hoped it would, either. I mean, it's still at a 60 million installed user base, which is not anything to sneeze at, by any means. But considering that the regular DS did at least one, if not several orders of magnitude more than that in terms of overall installed user base, that's definitely a case where they're going to want to try to recapture that lightning in a bottle. So the idea of trying to market this device in a way that it could appeal to the tablet generation, appeal to people who have their games on their phones, have their games on their tablets, and carry them around that way, isn't the worst idea in the world.
1: I mean, right now I could tell you a major indicator of how this thing is going to do is is going to be the price, and the fact that they haven't announced that is kind of worrisome.
0: Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, we'll we we can, we'll get there in a little bit, I think, because yeah. that's, that's going to be part of the bad, but I feel like if the price point is good, you could potentially see a situation where you've got people who are like, okay, you know, uh, instead of bringing my tablet with me, I'll bring this game platform, the the Switch, with me, and I'll just play it that way. I'll play it with the controller nubbies or whatever the hell. So that instead of, you know, having your kids bring the tablet with you, instead of you bringing your tablet, you, you have that as a device that functions in a way that your tablet might, depending upon if they're using an API like a um a graphical user interface that is tablet-esque but still also allows you more robust gaming experiences.
1: I I think like one of the things going along with that is like you you have that idea of like the four people or whatever from like their ESL group that they were showing in the video just hovering around their different systems and practicing before going off to the main stage or whatever in a more realistic sense that could just be a LAN party of sorts people just getting together and playing that without having to lug over multiple TVs and having to worry about uh all the problems with carrying all that and a whole console if you can just bring a little tablet and some controllers that could actually be a feasible thing that someone does it probably won't be done too much in the United States that's probably more of a Japanese thing I know they're they actually use their PSPs for that kind of thing I, I was amazed but <laughs> that is something that people will find value in theoretically
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's also worth noting that we're kind of in this odd position now where hard drive space is all the rage. So, back in the days of the PlayStation 2, if you wanted to play a game at a friend's house, you would just pop the disc in, put in your memory card, and off you go. In the days of the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox One, or the Xbox 360, rather, this was a little harder, but. You could still potentially, with the Xbox 360, bring your hard drive over back when that was detachable, and then once both companies got on board with Flash Media, you could transfer your profile and your save to the flash drive, plug it in, and off you go. We're kind of sort of at that point now, but when devices require massive installations, this can take a while.
1: Oh yeah, if they don't have the, the, if they don't have the game themselves and have it installed, you're going to be waiting like probably an hour to two hours. Worse if you have to actually download it.
0: Yeah, and in this case, if your friend does actually have a Switch, you can just bring your device over, plug it into their docking station, and just play whatever games are on your device. And if they don't, I mean, the docking station does not look particularly big, and it probably just uses a standard power cord and the HDMI port, but even so, if you just want to play it, you can just bring the thing over, set it up in its little portrait mode, and you can both play off of that screen for as long as you can deal with that.
1: Now that's interesting. I I wonder if the dock will sync to a specific system or not.
0: I would imagine that it probably will not just because like the the dock just seems like something that might be a device that increases the processing power, but otherwise is just there to keep the device powered on and synced with controllers. Like I don't I don't feel like the dock is going to be an actual device, for, you know, storage, profile management, things like that, that's most likely all going to exist within the Switch tablet itself because it's going to need to be portable.
1: Yeah, the controllers is just with the tablet too.
0: Yeah, so in that case, the dock is basically just there probably to give the device some buffs for its processing power and allow it to display on the TV. Hell, if there's an HDMI port on the device itself, you could probably even hook it up to a TV portably.
1: Uh, I would think that there is an HDMI. There's, there's got to be. I'm pretty sure you would hook that up, that the docking station up to your TV. So uh, it's got to have an HDMI for it.
0: Well, no, I mean on the, de- I mean on the device itself, more so. Oh. Which I would say probably not, just because that's probably real estate that they don't want to commit to something when they could just have more internal components. But who knows?
1: Yeah, they didn't show. Anyone hooking that directly up to a a TV, and that wouldn't make too much sense because you would just have a docking station. Uh, That would be a hell of a feature. That, That would just make it even better. But that would also take up more space on the system itself, and it's already pretty
0: bulky. Yeah, that's definitely a fair point. Another thing that I would probably note here is that it's smart of them to avoid the holiday season when they're trying to market the device. I feel like this is definitely a great idea as far as actively trying to stay away from the big push where everybody's releasing their stuff. Instead, they're releasing it during tax time, which is to a certain extent a push period, but it's one that's not necessarily regarded as such. So instead of being in a position where you have kids saying, I want this for Christmas or whatever you are marketing towards people who just got their tax refund. And to the fact that the demo is almost exclusively focused around teenagers and young adults kind of indicates that that's where Nintendo is trying to aim this.
1: Oh yeah, this does not seem to aim towards children. It has so many moving parts, so many things that can break. It doesn't look like you can put this thing in any sort of protective padding because otherwise it won't fit inside the stocking station. So that would definitely not make it kid-friendly.
0: Which I think is kind of interesting in its own way, too, because Splatoon was kind of a focal point in that demonstration trailer, though it was demonstrated as an eSport, which is a thing.
1: Well, I mean, Splatoon kind of, like, crossed age gaps,
0: so... I mean, that part's fair. The part where they demonstrated it as an eSport was confusing to me, because I know Nintendo is on a push to get it as an eSport, but I also know that initial attempts to try and get that popularity going in that direction was met with indifference by the marketplace at large. So I don't I don't see this sort of a thing becoming an esport on the level of, you know, fighting games or StarCraft Two or even something like Overwatch as Blizzard is trying to position that game. I feel like even with a good installed user base, Splatoon is going to be more of an experience that is casual to serious pickup and play friendly, but is probably not necessarily going to expand into an esports type domain the same way that something like Smash Brothers did.
1: Yeah, esports, from my experience, you can't push it. It's either going to be a, an esport or it's not. People are going to find things to adopt, they're not going to just take your word for it that this is the next big thing. You know, people are set, you know, this is a career for them. So they can't just afford to just jump on whatever some publisher says is the next big thing.
0: Yeah. And again, like so far, the market has kind of indicated that they are not necessarily interested in that conversation. Maybe Nintendo can turn it around on their own. I don't have a lot of faith, but it is possible that that is a thing that can happen.
1: Well, there is speculation that it is a new Splatoon game. It's not just the old game, but ported up. So that could be a factor in that.
0: I mean, it's very possible, but I, I still see that as kind of, you know, putting all of your eggs into one basket, metaphorically. Like I don't, I don't know if that's going to help in the grand scheme of things. We'll see. But I feel like it might be the kind of for. It might be a bad kind of forward thinking. Let's say. Yeah. It's also worth noting that, by and large, the online response to the Switch has been mostly positive, and while people who are online and paying enough attention to this sort of thing generally represent gamers who are invested to a certain degree beyond what the casual audience thinks, it is worth noting that Polygon is running a poll on their Twitter right now saying, would you buy a Nintendo Switch? And 63% of about 8,000... participants have said yes i would buy a nintendo switch another 29 percent said i would probably need more info leaving only about eight percent saying no i would not actively invest money in this thing that's a pretty good place to sit right now where 92 percent of people are saying either i definitely would or i might depending upon other factors
1: but of course uh, that's like an initial reaction poll if you gave it a few days, like, excitement might temper down. True. So it, it it's probably could, would swing more towards the negative within a week or so, but I think that would be true of any new console, unless we're talking about, like, what, the Xbox One?
0: Yeah, the Xbox One was really a case study in how to not handle announcing your console at all.
1: When When you can have two executives literally just handing each other a game and that's like an advertisement... You fucked up. <laughs> You're just handing your opposition the keys to the city at that point.
0: Oh, no, definitely. Absolutely. So, from that point, let's let's kind of get into the stuff that's less good about this here. And some of this may just be me, but these are observations that I've come up with from looking at this sort of thing. So let's go back for a moment to the idea, as I had suggested it, that it kind of looks like a PS Vita slash PSTV. And to me... The first thought I came to when I saw how they handled this, I, I basically said, so Nintendo looked at the way that Sony handled the PlayStation Vita and the PlayStation TV, looked at how that worked for Sony, and said, wow, that was a really terrible idea. Hey, let's do that!
1: I mean, yeah, and like I said earlier, I, I think that's a little unfair, mostly because, again, the Vita was a dead system on arrival. You know, it has a lot of great games, obviously, but it, it nobody cared. And then the TV was like an expansion for it essentially it, it was some way to try to revive it it was like it was like the Sega CD essentially it was a way to keep it going and whereas this is a whole brand new system it's you know got a, a bigger name attached to it in, in, in its own way like it's a, it's a, it's a Nintendo console launch and then this looks significantly better done than something like the PSTV
0: And I mean, I definitely agree. It seems like they have a much better plan in place than how Sony chose to release their devices. It's clear Sony was looking at the Vita and saying this is going to be a portable media device comparable to your tablet and whatnot. And while Nintendo is kind of sort of saying that with the Switch... Sony's push was to have the Vita offer cellular connectivity that you could pay money for, which nobody utilized to the point that they actually phased that out of later designs altogether. Sony also included a bunch of weird knick-knackery that didn't necessarily make the console better. And while you could argue that the Switch has some weird knick-knackery of its own, i.e. controllers that can be swapped in and out to attach to the device as needed in Sony's case, a back touch screen as well as a front touch screen, and the the cameras that allowed you to play games that utilized like AR functionality were were not the most well thought out attachments mm. bound and and it bound. still
1: and it also had motion control
0: yeah i I hated the hell out of everything having to do with motion control with that device. And I'm, I'm kind of hopeful that outside of the PlayStation VR, we've all kind of learned our lesson with that, that that was just not a good idea and we should just let it go. I have not heard anything about the Switch having motion control, and it looks really small to the point where that would be infeasible. God, I hope so. But it is worth noting that the Vita at the time was just chasing trends. You know, AR gaming was a thing. And we're still seeing it with stuff like, you know, Pokemon Go utilizing AR elements, although to a much more limited extent. Motion controls were still at the time considered to be a big deal. Touchscreens were considered to be a big deal. It's just that the device was designed in the wrong way. But we're kind of assuming that Nintendo has a better understanding of how to deliver, deliver and develop this sort of a device than Sony does even though Sony has their own internal R&D department for this sort of thing that Nintendo doesn't necessarily have, and especially considering that Nintendo delivered us both the Wii and the Wii U, which, despite the fact that the Wii sold like gangbusters, it also sank like a fucking lead balloon, and the Wii U never even got off the ground. So it's kind of a case where we can't guarantee that Nintendo's going to do this any better than Sony did.
1: Well, I would say... if it actually does what it they show it doing it's already better simply because it's all on one device you don't have to wh- whip out a memory card and switch it and hope it doesn't mess up your your folders and shit you don't have to have uh, you know a, a, an analog controller as well as the ps vita as well as the the tv as well as a good tv it, you needed a whole bunch of shit to make ps tv work the way that You'd want it to, which is, you know, be able to take the game, play it on your TV, then take it on your Vita and take it with you. Uh, especially since, again, you'd be swapping out memory cards, which is a pain in the ass.
0: And again, all of that's absolutely granted. Though I would note that at this point, the Wii U didn't go anywhere sales-wise and hasn't in years at this point. And the only thing that we are really dramatically adding here is the ability to take the tablet device and bring it further away from your console than you do right now, like, that's it. I can still play it in the shitter the same way that I would with the Wii U, but now I can take it to somebody else's shitter if I want to play it, hypothetically. Like, that's all we're really adding here, as far as that goes.
1: I mean, first of all, that, that's not nothing. That, that's actually a pretty big something. Just be, I mean, you could take it on the road with you and keep playing. You don't have to try to sync up to your system. That, that's already a massive plus in its, in its favor. Is it, though? Yeah. I mean, like, say say you're a kid playing this thing, and, and you're like, oh, now we have to go out of town to visit grandma. He can just freaking pull his game out and keep playing it.
0: I mean, sure, from the convenience perspective, that definitely does help if you are going to be in a position where you can take that out and go and continue playing while you're traveling. Yeah. It may not necessarily be as useful for somebody who is going to take that device and go to work, or what have you, and we're, we're kind of stepping into the idea of how Nintendo is handling this as a handheld, but before we get there, I kind of want to talk about how this is being handled as a console. So the first place I want to start is that third-party support discussion. We, we've seen the graphic. I've seen the graphic. I'm sure you've seen the graphic. Oh, yeah. And people were touting this as "holy shit!" They have all of this support. Look at how many companies are supporting them. This is awesome and everything. Do we not remember that Nintendo had a shitload of support for the Wii and the Wii U? Oh yeah, like is that a thing we've forgotten?
1: Yeah, that—that's that, when I was kind of laughing at myself too. I—I I mean, I remember them touting how much third—sorry, that s- third-party support that the Wii U had, and we're like, "Look, we brought back Ubisoft. They're gonna put a Batman game on here, and we, <laughs> we." We, you know, we're having an actual Madden for this and everything, it was like, uh, and there's nothing now.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's not like the Wii U didn't have support during its first year or so. The game had mm-hmm. a Ubisoft title launch with it in Zombie U, which was a pretty damn good game, I'm not gonna lie, but that didn't move the needle at all, and they ended up porting that to other consoles. Years later, but yeah. Yeah, and there was also talk of Watch Dogs was going to come out for the Wii U, and it was going to be awesome, and it was going to have all of these unique Wii U features, and then, like, none of that fucking happened. And they eventually released a Deus Ex that, you know, took advantage of the Wii U to a certain extent, but nobody cared. It's, a lot of what happened on the Wii U was experimental stuff that may or may not have been good. Ports that nobody actually wanted to pay money for, because they already had the games in question in the first place, and a lot of empty promises once developers ultimately saw how little the unit was moving in, in the marketplace. And the thing is, any developer can promise that they're going to develop games for the Switch. But if the first-year sales numbers do not back up that support, we're not going to see a lot of those developers release things. From software could very well be developing something right now and may actually get something out onto the Switch by launch or within a few months after launch or what have you. Or they might have just signed up before the announcement saying, Yeah, we'll develop something, whatever. And then six months later they see that nobody bought the damn thing and they'll be like, eh, maybe we'll wait on that.
1: Well, I think of it Look at what happened uh to Sony with the Vita. They they tried to refresh it. They announced a partnership with 2K. They're like, we're going to bring all the shit <laughs> from 2K onto the Vita. And eventually 2K just went, well, we're definitely not making Bioshock for this. Nobody has. It. Fuck it. Let's just port the tablet versions of uh, x and I think was it Civilization Revolution or something like that. Yeah. And call it a day. We fulfilled our contract. Something like that could happen
0: with this. Oh, it absolutely. Easily. It absolutely could. It, it's 100% a possibility. And. It's going to depend on those launch metrics, and the problem is that Nintendo has already shown now with both of their consoles that, and they promised during the Wii U, remember, that they were going to be more in tune with their third-party developers, more in tune with what their third-party developers needed, were asking for, everything else, and what did they do? They did the same thing they did on the Wii. They've released Nintendo games on a Nintendo's exclusive schedule that only took into consideration Nintendo selling Nintendo games.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's a good way to uh, kind of piss off your third-party partners if you're like, okay, we want to put a game out in this. Like, oh, well, that's when we're putting out the new Mario game. You're like, well, fuck, no one's going to buy our game if that's out.
0: Right, and this is a conversation I have been having with John Widrow for years. For years at this point. Nintendo Ah. releases their games on their own damn schedule, and you have enough time from when you purchase that first Nintendo game to complete it before the next Nintendo game comes out. They stifle their particular releases so that each game comes out just in time for you to pick it up because you've completed the last one. And the problem is that a lot of the people who are on the hype train with the Switch right now already own a Wii U. Like, I own a Wii U. I mean, I'm not on the hype train, but I own a Wii U. If I own this, logic goes, it's because I like Nintendo games. To be quite honest, I don't even really know why I own the damn thing. Uh, I think I mostly bought it because there was a Monster Hunter announced for it, but whatever.
1: Yeah, that's the exact answer. That's why you own it.
0: And Bayonetta too. And Bayonetta oh, yeah, Bayonet too. I, I own those. They
1: they haven't ported that yet, have they?
0: They I don't think they're going to. Wow. Well. Nintendo, I believe, actually financed its development. But again, this is the thing. It's if you are looking at the Switch as somebody who likes Nintendo games, of course you're gonna be enthusiastic about this, because this is the place where you're going to play Nintendo games. Like that's that's not a surprise or anything. But The thing is, is that you have to bring in all of the people who don't give a shit about Nintendo games, which is a lot of people in that marketplace. You have to get the casual players. And if they don't rope in people in the first six months, if they're not projecting towards that magical 10 million installed user base that seems to be the number we go for in that first year of development to indicate a successful console, are they going to see that kind of support outside of the first year? Signs point to no. And they're going to need exclusive content, not just the same stuff you're getting everywhere else. Because, as we've already established, this thing is almost certainly not going to be at PS4 or Xbox One levels of capability.
1: I think a major indicator is how are the publishers seeing the the system right now? How are they talking about it right now? And because of Nintendo's track record recently, even as far back as the GameCube, because this is not a new thing, even as far back as
0: the N64, hell.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So pretty, yeah, pretty much back since like, this SNES. Their first-party games have been what people buy the system for. Nobody cares about the third-party games for the longest time. But because of the lack of the third-party games, the system start dying out. Because of the system starts dying out, no more third-party games are coming. And it's like, it's it's a cycle. So what we're probably going to see, what we're almost certainly going to see with this is the same thing we've seen the past couple of systems. They're going to pump out crappy ports with some tacked-on gimmicky stuff. Nobody's going to like them. Nobody's going to buy them. And so they're going to see that as an indicator that they shouldn't put out more stuff. It's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it's something that Nintendo has earned.
0: Absolutely. At this point, honestly, they really need to get some type of third party to say, you know what, we're going to release a game that will move units, that will convince people they want to pay money for this console. And I mean, Sony managed to do it. They got Persona 4 Golden on the Vita, and that is actually credited as being a system seller for the Vita. They didn't have a follow-up worth a damn, but they at least had that.
1: One thing they can do, as simple as it sounds, if they can get a Pokemon game on this thing, they'll have a shot.
0: More than likely, yes. The fact that there was no Pokemon anything in that trailer is kind of concerning. Because Splatoon is a good game, don't get me wrong, but I don't know that that in and of itself is going to be a console mover.
1: Well, aren't they just launching the new one? What do you mean? Uh, like Sun and Moon or whatever, isn't that like coming out? Like, For the 3DS, Very yes. soon, or right now. I would think that they might not want to distract away from that in the initial launch or the initial announcement would might be something they would think.
0: That's possible. If we start seeing something in a couple of months indicating that there's going to be a Pokemon game on this particular device, then I would I would nod and go along with that. I don't think it's going to be anything on the level of Sun and Moon, and it really needs to be something substantial. They can't just release Pokemon Tournament on the Oh, yeah.
1: I, I mean a Pokemon game. I don't mean a Pokemon battle. I, I I don't mean some gimmicky puzzle game or a kart racer. I mean a fucking Pokemon game. If they can get that, if they if they had had that on the Wii U, the Wii U would have sold a hell of a lot more units.
0: Right, but then you're kind of in the position of, okay, do we have the time and the ability to develop an actual Pokemon title for this console? And the answer to that question is probably not within the first year of launch.
1: Well, they also have the issue with, uh, the Pokemon company probably not wanting to bother. They're probably still fine and dandy because they are the ones who actually push forward these things. I don't think Nintendo has that direct control over it.
0: They may not. They may not.
1: Otherwise, I, I guarantee you, if Nintendo did have that kind of control over it, they almost certainly would have put it out for a system like the Wii U or the Wii, probably more so the Wii U, simply to try to boost it. But... If it's, It could be something they've been working on for a while, because it can't take that much time to, to develop the ones they do for the 3DS at this point. It's probably a lot of copying and pasting, to be honest. But
0: That's true. But all right, so let's, again, let's get back to looking at this purely as a console, purely as a yeah. home console.
1: Well, no, no, e- yeah, even a Pokemon home console game would do
0: well. Sure. But I mean, just like from a demographic perspective, all right? Yeah. This thing is not outperforming your PS4. It's not outperforming your Xbox One. There is no way in hell it's going to be comparable tech-wise. And you don't even need to really understand the tech to realize that. Look at the PlayStation 4 Slim. Look at the Xbox One S that have just been released. Look at the size of those things. Just look at the controller, look at the device standing next to it for a frame of reference and see how much larger the controller or the device is in comparison to the controller. And then imagine that you have to take that tech and compress it down to what we have seen in the Switch.
1: Which, which, just as a reminder, these are already the compressed versions of these cancels.
0: Yes, and these things are as compressed as they can be while still maintaining heat, resp- like a, you know, heat venting to a level where the device isn't going to catch on fire. If you looked at the Switch, and you thought, well, we can compress that kind of tech into this device, that thing would make Samsung go, well, that's a fire hazard.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why, this is a big reason why. You can't look at it strictly as one or the other. It's, it, it's the whole package is what's going, this thing is going to live or die by.
0: Sure, but, I mean, we're just right now we're looking at just that demographic, okay, just as a thing. It's also worth noting that, from a financial perspective, this device is probably going to come out somewhere between 250 to 350 dollars. If we had to venture a guess, I would think that 200 is probably going to be a little low for what they're offering, and 400 is a risk. Well,
1: like the, the 3DS was was it 200?
0: I think the original 3DS was like it was like 250 or 300 at launch. Yeah,
1: I cannot imagine this being cheaper than that.
0: No. So let's say probably around 300 and you're asking it to at least partially compete for real estate in an environment where the Xbox One and the PS4 exist. If you don't have those consoles and you're trying to be sold on this, you are probably not going to look at the $300 console that is portable over the $300 console that looks awesome when you're playing it and at least has like a vaguely definable version of 4 k support and again we are we are specifically talking about somebody who would buy this as a console
1: I don't think that is going to be a thing like this this is not going to be someone's choice as a home console if that's all they want to use it for is sit playing on their TV. no, it isn't unless they're just a diehard Nintendo fan.
0: right, but that is a demographic that Nintendo is aiming at. they're aiming to get that thing into as many houses as possible. And already you're looking at the perspective of, if I'm only going to buy one console, which one am I going to buy? You're probably going to buy the one that has the, the sexiest visuals nine times out of ten. So it's from a home console perspective Nintendo is behind the 8-ball. Okay. Now let's talk about it as a portable a little bit. Well, automatically the price point is kind of iffy because the Vita debuted at 300 bucks, and fuck that thing. Nobody bought it. <laughs> but... All right, as a handheld, we're also kind of having to realize that Nintendo was not super thrilled with the performance of the 3DS. Again, like, they're at a point right now where it has 60 million installed user base worldwide, which is a good number, but it's not Nintendo DS numbers, and I think they want to get back to that Nintendo DS number, so we're kind of sort of looking at aiming this as a portable device that you can play on your TV, maybe. But if we are probably aiming this in the $300 price range, we are already putting it out of the price range that the 3DS had to get into to get it to that $60 million installed user base because nobody wanted to pay $300 for the original 3DS. So, from a financial perspective, you're kind of already hurting the possibility of this being something that somebody's going to want to pick up because they want a handheld.
1: It's also... Yeah, it's it's less likely to be bought by people, like like we were talking about for children. Like, you can't put this thing in like one of those Nerf casing things, so you can't protect your several hundred dollar investment properly. And you know, kids break shit.
0: Yeah, and you're also asking anybody who's gonna invest in this thing to tote this thing around as their handheld device. If I have a specific place in mind that I am going where I think that this is going to be something useful for me to have, like if I'm going on a weekend trip or something and I want to have a gaming device available with me while I'm on that trip, that's not a bad idea. If I'm just taking the train somewhere or if I'm going to be on the subway, this is the worst possible option in that case. This thing, this, this thing visually is, looks big and bulky.
1: Well, I'm thinking like tablets. People do carry around their tablets. Sure. This is this is definitely a a little bit bigger than that, but it, it's not impossible that somebody would want to do that. I, I I think you'd you'd have to design, and there probably are and they probably plan on selling some sort of carrying case for it that wouldn't be too gigantic. That would be something like a slip case that you would have for a tablet. Even, but I don't know. That that also sounds like scary as hell for something that would break probably pretty easily.
0: Right, but the idea is that you're going to bring this thing along with you because it offers functionality your tablet does not. Yeah. So, okay. The only thing I'm getting out of that is that you're going to be able to play Switch games on the go. And the thing is the way that that looks as a handheld, it looks bulky. People do not like playing Wii games, Wii U games with the gamepad more often than not, because it's a big, bulky fucking controller. The the Vita kind of turned people off because of how large and bulky that device was at the time. And going back years and years to a period that I'm probably one of the few people who remembers, during the original handheld wars, the Atari Lynx got thrown down the fucking shitter because it was bulky as fuck, and everybody was like, this thing is huge, I don't want to play with this. The Game Gear was bulky as fuck, and everybody said, this is huge, I don't want to play with this. You're talking about a device that you're going to need a separate carrier to bring with you. You're going to need, like, a messenger bag, you're going to need a tote bag, or something of that nature. And the thing is, is that a lot of people who want to do some type of casual mobile gaming are probably just going to go back to their smartphone. The 3DS offers a comparable alternative because it is pocket-sized. While, as Mr. John Widrow has mentioned in several instances, the more often that he travels on the subway or on the train, the less and less he is seeing 3DSs carried around in these environments over cellular phones, there is still a certain amount of viability towards carrying around your 3DS in this environment. You know, there are elements to it that make it worthwhile, and one of those is that the device can still fit in your pocket from what we can see of the switch this is not a pocket portable device you're going to need like a messenger bag or a purse or a backpack or something like that in order to be able to carry it around effectively which kind of murders a lot of its casual portability right out of the box
1: yeah i mean that's what i'm saying like you you would need some sort of some sort of like gear to carry it with you and that's never a great sign for something I, I, I guess you really don't see people commuting with tablets, as far as I know.
0: No, I've, I've certainly... I've seen this occasionally, but it's more often that you're going to see something like a smartphone or even like a Samsung Note, which kind of bridges that gap between tablet and cellular phone. Yeah.
1: I mean, I've seen people like, who will have them with them, and then when, they, when they've reached their destination, then they'll whip it out. Oddly enough, even though you would think that it wouldn't be a problem sitting on like a, a train or something.
0: And not only that, let's take that a step further. If somebody brings their 3DS with them onto the train or the subway or whatever, that is a $150 device, and while if you have anything downloaded to it, if somebody steals that device, you're screwed as far as that goes, the most that you are out, if you can get your profile recalled from Nintendo, is the $150 for replacing the device, and or however much more it might be if you had a collector's edition for some reason, and the amount of money for the game, so probably like maybe 200 to $250. If your cell phone gets stolen while you're playing around with that on the train or the subway or whatever, you can call your carrier and ask them to replace that so long as you have theft protection, so it costs you basically shipping to get a new device if the first one gets stolen or broken. If somebody steals your $300, maybe, Nintendo Switch, you're out $300 plus whatever game you had in there, you don't have any way of getting theft protection on it to get it back. And it's, it's, it's a much higher financial loss than a cellular phone or a 3DS would be with, no, with none of the protection options that your cellular phone might have and none of the, well, the cost isn't so great that I'm concerned about it aspects. Because you've also just lost your home console.
1: One has to wonder... If they're planning on selling, like, like the docking station or the tablet system itself separately, and if that is, like, part of their equation is they're almost hoping that people will steal these and they can make money off of the individual parts.
0: I would be honest. If somebody stole my Switch, I would not replace it. Huh. Because at that point, it's, you know, okay, well, I'm just going to buy this again. Why am I going to use this? You know, because I, I just got it stolen. The possibility of taking it portable means I'm going to get it stolen again. It's... So here's here's kind of where we are. For the home console owner, you're looking at a device that allows portability, which you may not need, is less technically capable than other devices which are comparable but do not offer this portability, and essentially doesn't really have anything to display Except for Nintendo games, which, if you wanted those, you would already own a Nintendo console. And judging by the fact that they're already decommissioning the Wii U, you probably don't. If you're a handheld gamer, you're looking at a console that would allow you to play your handheld games on the television, which is not the worst thing in the world, admittedly, but you're also looking at a device that's going to be $300 for a portable unit, is basically at a point now where it... We don't even know if it's going to be able to compete software-wise with the 3DS and the Vita anytime soon at all.
1: In terms of just number of options?
0: In terms of number of options within a one-year period, within a two-year period, within a five-year period, whatever.
1: I mean, you, you could still just probably sell it just on the massive graphical upscale.
0: Sure, but we already tried that with the Vita and it didn't work. Yeah. So it's... We're, we're kind of in a position now where you're trying to sell this $300 device that offers the portability that people might want, but it's much larger than any portable device that they might already have. Doesn't come with a lot of the inherent minimal cost issues or protections that people might have if they get this device stolen. M- might have a crap battery for all we know. And... Like, I, I guess the question that I'm kind of coming to at the end of all of this is, who is this fucking for?
1: Like I said, it, it's got to be for somebody who's interested in doing both with the same system. It, 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 the fact that it is a hybrid is its entire selling point. Because that that's what honestly interests me, is the ability to just pop it out of the docking station and continue playing as I go somewhere else. If I want to, you know, like, right now I can technically remote play my PS4, right? but it sucks because you can't use you're missing like half the buttons and the touch screen does not work as a replacement for a button so even something as little as just like leaving my room and going out to the living room something like that would be fairly nice being able to take it onto a car ride like you know if I go up and visit my grandmother at the, at the hospital or the old, old home or whatever that's like a hour-long trip plus it's usually there for a couple hours in itself and she's usually busy talking about something else, so that would give me something to do. And, like, if I can play, like, an impressive-looking game instead of necessarily just popping out a little puzzle game like I normally do, that's not nothing. That's why I'm interested in this.
0: And, I mean, that's fair, to be sure. And, to be fair, I'm not being especially original when I make these arguments, even though these are my own arguments.
1: Oh, and they're legitimate arguments. They're they're totally based in (laughs) history, essentially.
0: Yeah, but... John Widgerow also made these arguments to Alex at one point today, and John Widgerow is one of the biggest Nintendo fans I know, to the point where he owns all of the Nintendo platforms, he loves his 3DS, he brings that with him on the train, on the subway, on whatever. And he's the one who was lamenting the death of handheld gaming as we knew it years ago. And his argument is basically more or less the same as mine. It's, it's hard to imagine somebody who is a core console gamer, somebody who plays games on their console investing in something like this when they could have an xbox one or a ps4 or investing in this as a secondary console meanwhile the phone and the ipad market is is not going to go for something like this so if you're trying to pitch to somebody who plays their games on their phones or tablets exclusively they're not going to do that because they don't buy 40 dollar games very often if at all um at best you're looking to sell to people who buy nintendo consoles which, if that were enough of a market that we could market to that exclusively, the Wii U would have not been decommissioned already. And, I mean, Alex's counter-argument to that was that gadget people are going to buy this kind of stuff. No, oh, jeez. And if gadget people were the ones that were going to buy this kind of stuff, wouldn't the Wii U have done better? Because that was gadgety as hell. It's, you're... There's not really a great demographic mix here, you're kind of hoping that you're going to get a mix of everybody so you're trying to do everything but not really succeeding at any one thing. Although Alex also makes the argument that it might be really good for the elderly, which I, I feel like is something that the Wii also subsisted on and to a certain extent the Wii U and again, those are both super dead at this point.
1: Yeah. Well, from my perspective, like I said I'm kind of interested in this I do want to see more, obviously, but I haven't bought a Nintendo console in forever. Like, I did not buy the Wii U, did not buy the Wii. I mean, I've continually thought about it, but, like, I think you can get a Wii for, when you can get a Wii for, like, a hundred bucks, I'm like, uh, ah, it's still too much. This is something I, I think I could get. I, I mean, I, I would prefer if I could somehow do that with my PS4, but... <laughs> I don't think Sony is going to offer that anytime soon.
0: No, no, I really don't either. And it's, there is one other argument I kind of want to address here before going into that. And it's a conversation that uh, last week's guest, Mr. Josh Moore and I got onto in this discussion point where I don't really know exactly why he brought it up, but he mentioned that uh, flash memory can handle data just as well as, you know, disks can. I believe in discussion of the fact that Nintendo is going back to a cartridge-based format, and he and I kind of got into a discussion about like cost per piece, at which point he asked, why are you worried about media cost anyhow? Considering the 40 dollar price tag you'll be paying per game, regardless of the story me- storage medium, I don't think it matters that much in the long run. So for people who are under this particular belief, I, I do actually want to mention why this is a thing. Let us suppose at this point, that a developer is releasing a game with an expected million sales target. If you're releasing that on a Blu-ray, let's say, hypothetically speaking, based on what I've been able to garner from the price of Burnable Media on Amazon, that we're, we're talking about 12 cents per disc. That's basically going to end up being about, I don't know, uh, 1 million discs. Like
1: 120,000.
0: Yeah, just in media, that's going to be $120,000 to print all of that, just for the the physical media itself. That's your expense if you're putting it on a Blu-ray. Now, on the other hand, 32 gigabytes on an SD card, again, if we're talking 25 gigabytes versus 25 gigabytes, let's say, since that's what your standard Blu-ray burnable media is right now, 25 gigs. A 32 gigabyte SD card is about $10 if you buy it regularly. So again, let's quarter that price, two dollars and fifty cents. Multiply that times one million units, and you get two point five million dollars. Hmm. So we're talking one hundred twenty thousand dollars versus two point five million to press a game with one million copies sold.
1: It also depends on what the standard price point would be, too. Wasn't the Wii U fifty bucks? Or no, they went up to sixty for the Wii U, didn't they?
0: Uh huh. And they're probably okay. going to do $60 for this one, I would imagine. Yeah. And that's, that's the point, is there has to be a point where you're making enough of a profit where this is an appropriate break-even price point. And you're talking about releasing games that will probably be at that size. Like, the Vita cartridges are probably not very expensive because they're probably not very big. 3DS cartridges are probably not very expensive because they're probably not very big.
1: Yeah, The biggest Vita game is like 4 gigs. Yeah,
0: that's for PlayStation. I'm sorry, that's for uh, Persona 4 Golden is the largest I've seen, which is about 4 gigs. Yeah. So let's assume this is not true. This is absolutely not true. But let's assume that the largest 3DS game is probably about 4 gigabytes as well. For that size storage media, that's probably not that big of a dent in your bottom line. But if you're talking about releasing something that's Blu-ray sized, at a minimum, you're looking at a 25 gigabyte memory card. And again, we're, we're talking $120,000 to press a million Blu-ray discs versus $2.5 million to print on a million SD cards or whatever. That's a significant expense difference. Mm-hmm. And for, for a company like Exeed or like Nippon Ichi, that that could be a crippling difference, honestly.
1: All right, Yeah, that's fair.
0: So you are definitely going to see investment there, but you're kind of in a position where a lot of these companies are either going to go for extremely small print runs and hope for the best if the media is too high, which it could very well be, or they're going to go digital. And let us not forget, Nintendo is the company that still hasn't figured out how to do digital as of right now. Do we think that they're going to fix it by the time that the Switch comes out? I fucking hope so, but can we be guaranteed on that?
1: I mean, it, it, there's so much more of it, too. Like, what The Wii U comes with like what, a 32 gigabyte hard drive? Something like
0: that? I think it's just an, an actual... Yeah, I think it's 32 I don't remember what the internal storage space is on the Wii U at this point.
1: It was pathetically small. My my friend got one, and like I think he installed Mario Kart, which it came with, and I think he was like more than half
0: filled. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that they can probably get a decent amount of internal storage space. Although the fact that, you know, your your iPhones and your, you know, your your Droid phones don't necessarily have that could be concerning. Let's just assume that they can get a decent sized internal hard drive in there. Um, let's say, 256 gigabytes, hypothetically, which is about what your Xbox One debuted at. It's it's still going to mean that you can't carry around a whole lot of games, but it does mean at the very least that you you do have some options as far as that goes. You can carry around a few, you can carry around some movies, etc. And they will almost certainly support external storage, which you can get 128 gigabyte flashcards that you can put into the device to increase the storage. You're probably not going to get to the point where the device can handle a terabyte drive, but that's also probably not necessarily going to be the concern for somebody who's got as wide-ranging a variety of interests as this accommodates?
1: Well, there's also, since we're assuming that they're going to have to put out, like we said, some sort of satchel or traveling case for the damn thing, it'll almost certainly have slots for you to put additional cartridges. Which, again, going back to the somebody-stealing-it thing would be absolutely disastrous, but...
0: Right, but by the alternative comparison, you're also kind of in the position where we're going to kind of lean on the idea of investing on cartridges rather than leaning towards the idea of the digital marketplace. And again, like, there may be games that are on the digital marketplace that are much smaller and consistently re-downloadable and things of that nature. But at this point, if you're aiming for the smaller downloadable content, like, let let me put this the simplest way that I can. A couple of people have also mentioned that they're kind of looking at this as being the replacement Vita insofar as what it could potentially offer for those kinds of developers that are marketing to the Vita now. That hasn't exactly been a successful strategy for Sony. Like at all. I love Danganronpa as much as the next guy. I'm excited for Root Double as much as the next guy. I love God Eater 2, Rage Burst, as much as the next guy. But catering to visual novels, anime-themed games... Uh, stuff that would basically appeal to a specific demographic has only been staving off the death of the Vita at this point. I love those games. I love my Vita. I love the fact that I have access to a Criminal Girls 2 or a Danganronpa 2 or whatever. But that shit is keeping the Vita on life support. Transferring that over to the, the Nintendo Switch is at best going to increase their market share a small amount, it's not going to make the Switch into a must-have console, because if that were able to make something a must-have console, the Vita would not be dying. Dead. But yeah, I mean, the Vita is basically all but dead at this point. And it's... that sucks. There are still games coming out for it, and I'm still very happy that there are games coming out for it. But, Nintendo isn't aiming at that demographic. And even if that demographic migrates to the Nintendo Switch, it's not going to be enough to keep that console going.
1: Yeah, if that's someone's argument, I I don't see where they're possibly getting that much optimism from.
0: Yeah, and perhaps the worst part, I think, pound for pound, is people talking about, you know, that in line with stuff that could potentially come out for the console. So you've got arguments where... Just for example, people are talking about this becoming the new PS Vita in some respects or games that they should be bringing to this console uh, that, that would, you know, support that kind of thing. And it's, there's two issues I have with that kind of idea. The first is for people who are pushing for games like, you know, the next Tokyo Mirage Sessions or even just a re-release of Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Splatoon did a shitload of numbers on the Wii U. That, that game moved a lot of copies. Tokyo Mirage sessions did not. We, we have those numbers. That game moved about so far a little over a hundred thousand units at this point, which is not horrible. Clearly, you know Atlas said, well, this is this is fine, whatever. We, we expected that this kind of thing was going to happen. It, it is what it is." But it didn't, it didn't move a lot of units. Putting it onto the switch is not going to necessarily improve its chances. Yeah, well that that's
1: less somebody realistically I mean I hope anyway, less somebody realistically thinking that that would be something that would be that would be financially successful more so than something that they would personally want, which, you know, dreams, you know, if 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 dreams were what the hell's a stupid idiom. You can dream You can dream in, in
0: a- one hand and shit in the other and see which one fills up first.
1: Thank you. That was the one I was trying to think of.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, that's the problem, is I love Tokyo Mirage Sessions. I think it's a great game, by and large. I had my issues with it, but for the most part, I enjoyed my time with it. But, 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 but... The Switch does not need to be trying to resurrect games that had their shot and failed. Sorry, but that is what happened. We don't need to be bringing that back. We need to be getting this thing exclusive content. If we're trying to get this this game onto the Switch, all we're doing is saying, Well, we got no other ideas left. Let's just give them something they didn't buy the first time around. And it's I mean, there's a reason why Beyond Good and Evil 2 has taken so many years to get out, even though they keep repushing and repushing and repushing Beyond Good and Evil, you're only going to sell so many of a game on repeat attempts. People are not going to latch on the second or the third or the sixth or the tenth time if they didn't latch on the first time. You're just going to see deprecating numbers of the same people who bought the prior one continue to buy it because they want to support the product in hopes that they will eventually get a sequel or whatever they were hoping for. Pushing Tokyo Mirage Sessions onto the Switch is something I would love from a fan sense, but it's not good business sense for Nintendo. Also... For people who are looking at the idea of something like a Nintendo Switch turning into the next Vita, how likely do you think Nintendo is to put something like, you know, a full-blown Senron Kagura game or Criminal Girls 2 on the Switch?
1: That's, that's a damn
0: good point. That is a damn good question.
1: Mad World was such an oddity that people were talking about that all the time. It's like, look, see, we can have M-rated games.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the on Kagura games have appeared on the 3DS, but those have been scaled back quite a bit from what the Vita version and the PS4 versions are. It's quite possible that Nintendo themselves will kind of hold up a hand and go, wait a minute. And the idea that they're marketing this to, like, 20-somethings and whatnot belies the fact that they themselves stepped in And had a hand in editing down the tone and content of both Tokyo Mirage Sessions and Fire Emblem Fates. Which, I don't care how much you love Nintendo. It is worth noting that they will probably stand in the way of some of the content that you might want coming to this platform. Or that they might ask that certain things be changed. Because they've already done it twice this year alone. This is this is not the time for, you know, the magical land of honey and rainbow shit where Nintendo is going to save, you know, whatever's happening with the Vita and become the next Vita. It's they're going to become the Vita but worse.
1: Unless they are like legitimately drastically changing their demographic. I mean, if if they're clearly trying to sell this for adults, then maybe they'll still put out stuff like that. I mean, like, the 3DS is primarily targeted towards younger children, right? You look at a game like Sentra and Kagura, like the case of it, and it looks like a cartoon game, just with larger boobs. Sure. So, we could be in a situation where some parent could buy something like that, and then the kid play it, and then all hell being raised. So, that would probably be something why Nintendo might edit something like that, although one could simply argue that GameStop's not going to carry this.
0: Right, and again, it's entirely possible that Nintendo is not even going to care. It's very possible that Nintendo's not going to care. Because again, even though they're not as sexually provocative, shall we say, as the Vita and PS4 versions, there are Senron Kagura games on the 3DS, and Nintendo themselves did finance Bayonetta 2. So it is very possible that this could be much ado about nothing. But we do also have to remember that Nintendo just this year got people's feathers ruffled because of what they did with their own in-house games. And Nintendo ultimately has control over what shows up on their console and what doesn't. It is very possible that Nintendo could exert some control if there's stuff they don't want appearing on it. At a best case, Nintendo is doing a massive change in demographic and is going to be a lot less restrictive about what comes out on their console and in what condition But then you have to question, why did they make this sudden decision in October when they probably have been thinking about this kind of stuff since at least the end of 2015 when they first would have had to have approached NVIDIA to get a console ready to be released? Like, why is this a decision that they're coming up with marketing-wise and such right now when they had this entire year to start relaxing that, instead of pissing off that particular demographic twice in the same calendar year before saying eh never mind with that shit or they're presenting that or they're presenting this in this way and that's not actually what's going to happen in which case why would you even be marketing it this way in the first place
1: well that also, it begs the question how much does nintendo of america know compared to you know nintendo so, I mean, the, the censorship decisions and stuff like that were primarily made by Nintendo of America, correct?
0: I would imagine that that is the case, yes. So, I mean... It, by all indications, that's the it's case. It's possible
1: this is, like, a new thing coming up from on high, you know, Nintendo, Japan, and perhaps, they I don't know how well they communicate.
0: It's probably also worth noting, though, that if your communication is that bad in general... Why wouldn't you try to resolve that first before attempting to launch another brand new console when a lot of the major problems people had with your last console was issues in how this stuff was designed and developed? Again, for all of the talk about how Nintendo does all of the stuff that people love and whatnot, the online was atrocious. And we all kind of acknowledge that. Do we even know what Nintendo's doing here? Have they communicated on this? if they haven't it's going to be another shit show from an online perspective and if they have why would they have communicated about that but not the tone of where the actual company is going from a marketing perspective
1: all we got was this video right that that, that we didn't get anything else i didn't know like a press release or something no we, we we could be like completely blown up blown away like they, like tomorrow if they could just pump out a whole bunch of information on it Another ad, and we might have a better idea of where they're going. I mean, this is like a teaser trailer, essentially. Like, this is what the system is going to do. I, so it's hard to fault them too much if, in fact, they they just kind of flubbed their marketing strategy a little.
0: Oh, sure, absolutely. I guess my major concern at the end of the day is that I've seen a lot of people who are very enthusiastic about the console. I've seen a lot of people who are jumping for joy about this. I've actually seen people who have basically said that if this means the end of the 3DS, fuck the 3DS, good, get, get rid of it. And, like, people are talking about the NX, and I want to stress this, there is a gentleman that I follow on Twitter, Mr. Ninevolt, who has spent, you know, the better part of the past month pointing out the reactions that the NX crowd has had on Reddit talking about, you know, just, I mean, and I mean, to be fair, the people on the Reddit channel were being ridiculous. One of them posted a, uh, a Reddit topic asking, I wonder what the NX smells like. So that's, I got nothing there. Like I got nothing. It smells like yeah, plastic. Yeah, but it smells like plastic and glass probably. But, you know, it's, he was making fun of them for a good month and then we get this and no, he's all in. A hundred percent. This is the greatest thing ever. And I can appreciate being enthusiastic about this. But for me, it's like, we have to remember the GameCube had a lot of games that we love, but it was a terrible console. The N64 had a lot of games that we love, but it was a terrible console the wii had a bunch of games that we loved and it was successful for a hot minute but in the end it was a terrible console and the wii u was a terrible console and the least successful console that nintendo has launched in their entire corporate history we also have to remember that while we loved the nintendo ds we hated the 3ds for a while so, it's you're making the assumption that this time Nintendo finally got it right off of that trailer. Well,
1: it, it, it is worth noting that Nintendo and its fan base are kind of in an abusive relationship in general. So, they, they kind of get excited over everything. I think the Wii U might have been like the first thing I didn't see people freaking out about in a long time. Like the three DS, if you remember when it was announced, well, people were jumping up for joy for that damn thing. And it was only when it came out and there wasn't much for it that wasn't a remake. You know, that it it had its problems. So I think it, it it's a lot of that is like they want Nintendo to be successful, they want it to be amazing, and they really it's day one, the thing was just announced, it looks impressive. So it's not too hard to get really excited about something like that, and like I said, I think even in a few days from now, a lot of that's going to ebb once we know more about it and we start to see its limitations. A lot of that, more of that's going to ebb. We're not like it, it, it. I I don't think we have to be too worried. I, I you know a lot of this. Let, let's let people be happy. Let's let let's keep them in check after they've
0: had a day or two to process. And that's fair, but it's just, at the end of the day, I still feel like I'm kind of shouting into the void here as the only person who's saying, hey, wait a minute, I appreciate that you're excited for this, but let us not forget, these are the same people who haven't had a truly successful console since the Wii, or if you define true success as consistent support all the way through, since the Super Nintendo, they haven't really had a truly successful console. And that the 3DS is not where they want it to be. And we also have to remember that every single platform that they've released in the past several years has been weird gimmicks, of which we didn't really like any of them. The Wii sold well, but we didn't like it. We didn't like the motion controls, and a lot of people would say, well, the motion controls in this game are bad and terrible and whatever, until it eventually became a platform for shovelware. We're also talking about a platform that... All we know about it is that it's going to be working off of an NVIDIA chipset using a custom API, which may make it a million times harder for them to program than it has been up to this point. And it's a device that we're still not 100% sure what the core market for that is even going to be. It's, I'm not saying don't be enthusiastic about it, but there is a difference between enthusiasm and blind enthusiasm. Yeah,
1: I I think we're going to see scales falling off. And if they don't fall off, uh, then I think we're just going to have to start hitting them with some cold, hard reality. So hopefully they listen to this, because (laughs) there's plenty of cold, hard reality in this.
0: Yeah, and it's, again, some of this is speculation, to be sure. But some of it is also having observed how Nintendo's market trends have gone over the past few years. And
1: not even just Nintendo. Look at pretty much everything that, like, Sony or Microsoft has done that isn't straight up their actual console. If we're talking about the Kinect, the Move, probably what's going to happen to the VR, the freaking iToy going back that far, and Nintendo stuff, a lot of this stuff is a fad. The stuff comes out for it, there's a lot of promise. No one ever delivers on that promise.
0: Absolutely. And it's, at the end of the day... And I feel like this is probably as good a place as any to wrap up. I'm not trying to shit in anybody's cereal. I'm not. If you want to love this console, love it. Absolutely. And I really want to stress that like people that I've mentioned here and people that I've seen who are madly in love with this idea at this point deserve to be. You know, Just people who have interacted with me, people who have like, made points on their end, I can definitely see where a lot of them are coming from. You know, Sean Madsen, I I respect his opinion. I think that he deserves to be enthusiastic about it. Uh, James Wynn, I I think he should be enthusiastic about it, and I, you know, absolutely appreciate where he's coming from. Uh, Stealth, Nine Volt. I respect their opinions. And again, Josh Moore, I wouldn't have had him on the podcast if I didn't respect the hell out of his opinions. It's just that I just want to remind everybody that there are a lot of realities here that need to be considered. I'm not saying don't love the idea of the console, I'm not saying don't be enthusiastic, but I am saying temper that. Because this is the kind of enthusiasm, blind enthusiasm, that led to what happened with No Man's Sky.
1: Exactly. It, 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 you put, set up your hopes too high, you hype yourself too high, you're going to crash. The system could be fantastic, if it, but your expectations could be so unbelievable for it you'll crash, and it could cause the system to crash, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, and I really want to see, in a month, people saying, well, here's all of this data. It's not necessarily great, or maybe it is great, but we're still excited for it, instead of, oh shit, this is not at all what I expected. Fuck Nintendo, burn the heretic, you know? Like, I want people to retain that enthusiasm without it being lifted so high that they think this thing is going to you know bring back jesus and cure cancer and then they find out some stuff they don't necessarily like and they're like We, we
1: don't have any technical specs that that is a huge fucking deal for something like this
0: yeah i mean this thing is coming out in march this thing is coming out in less than six months at this point And what do we know about it? Nothing. We don't know tech. We don't know price. We don't know anything. We know the pitch. That's, we know the pitch. And it's, at this point, it's, it's good to lead with the pitch, but you've only got six months to market this thing. If there's one single misstep in that short of a time window, if you're that hyped up for it, that could be a fucking disaster. So it's, all I'm saying is, let's temper it a little bit. Like the thing if you like it. Be enthusiastic if you want to be enthusiastic about it. But, just keep in mind, this could all go horribly wrong. And the last thing that I want to see is people go from this thing is great to fuck Nintendo. Because Lord knows, we've seen that this year alone. But I feel like that's probably about the best possible place to wrap up. So thank you, Mr. Aaron Sorois, for joining me, especially on such incredibly short notice.
1: It's it's the weekend, man. It's what what I do.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. If you liked what you listened to today, you can feel free to like, subscribe, and comment. We're available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and basically anywhere else that hosts podcasts. Uh you can also, if you wanted to follow along at home, you can follow me on Twitter at MarkBWriting and Facebook at MarkBWritingHome. And, Aaron, what would you like to plug, if anything?
1: I don't think I need to plug anything. <laughs> I mean, someone someone could, someone, could go to my Twitter if they would like, which is uh, dhdfaron.s, Or, you know, go to the diehardgamefan.com and read my reviews. That would be nice.
0: Sounds good to me. This was literally at the last moment, so I don't have a funny topic that you can join us next week for. Just pretend I said something witty here. But this is Mark B. signing off and saying, stay safe out there, junkers.